Hello, and welcome back to Think Yourself Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Barbieri. Before we dive into this episode, I just want to remind you that if you take a screenshot that you're listening and tag us on Instagram, we'll send you a 15% off discount for the eight-week Retrain Your Brain program. Just take a screenshot and tag me at Heather Barbieri RDN. Thanks for listening, and let's get right to it. Hello, everybody. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, I have special guest and fellow registered dietitian, Christina Biegler. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Um, Crazy how you and I connected and then the coincidences of our pathways that, that we went on, which is always fun. We'll chat a little bit about that. But Christina, thank you so much for being with us today. I'd love for you to take a moment to introduce yourself to the audience and kind of tell them a little bit about who you are and what drives you to have this conversation today. Um, thank you for, for allowing me to come on your show. Yeah, I love the six degrees of separation. I think one of my things in life is looking for common denominators and how much more similar we are than we are different. Mm-hmm. So you and I interned in the same city in the middle of... America, right? Yes. In St. Louis at different times or kind of almost overlapping times. Yeah. And then you had, you know, friends in common, the same ones that I had yeah. um, in some of our work, in some of our work things. And that's a little bit where our story is going to go today is some of those work things mm-hmm. and diet things that happened. But my background is that, well, like what, how much do we really want here? Short version is I had a hella um, healing crisis with my skin. My skin was screaming at me when I had small kids and was changing careers and had a lot of stressors going on in about 2015. Corrected that with a lot of gut and liver work. Um, There was a lot of pain to it because it was all over my face. Mm -hmm. Corrected that and then came in later um, and gave myself sluggish thyroid and adrenal situation. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But really, I've been in private practice since about 2015. I've been a dietitian for about... um, about 14 years. And I grew up in an integrative and holistic household. I thought my education was going to teach me more about that. And in fact, I did not learn much about that. So you must learn things later. I actually started doing kind of alternative type trainings with a, with different groups of chiropractors post-college and just always felt like a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Like, why can we not explain what's going on in the body? And I just wanted to get things. And there was kind of some like, I, I mean, I love chiropractors, but the particular training system I was in, there was like a lot of ego in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I found functional dietitian work later, uh, I was like, oh, I found my people. And so it's been a beautiful thing, a beautiful journey. We, I support clients in my private practice and I have a podcast called The Less Stressed Life. And I'm just a lifelong learner and curiosity psycho and love to find common ne- connections. And uh, like you said, what are your passions? I mean, they ebb and flow all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested in this subclinical thyroid stuff and how we're all kind of screwed in that mm-hmm. capacity. I'm also really interested in nervous system work, which we definitely align with a ton. And the other stuff comes and goes a lot yeah. as well. So I'm also kind of interested in uh, like mild to moderate mold exposure mm-hmm. and kind of sick of talking about like you guys all, we're all going to be exposed. It's just a matter of like trying to mitigate, address, correct, mm-hmm. move on. Yeah. Know, type thing. Yeah. Anyway, a little bit of a nutshell. I love it. Well, in my opinion, I think that if we want to be able to withstand the test of time that's coming, we definitely have to understand nervous system function and how that 
pretty much regulates our entire health and well-being. And so exactly. unfortunately, there are a lot of practices out there that diet culture have really nourished and supported that are really doing a disservice specifically to women and nervous system regulation that have negative mm -hmm. impacts on thyroid function, gut function. And so I'm hoping that today we can kind of dive in and, and speak a little bit to those I know I get asked the question all of the time, what are your thoughts about intermittent fasting? And I cringe. I'm just like, oh. So I am not a supporter of intermittent fasting. The bottom line, my personal take is we should all be fasting on a daily basis. And if we're eating within the normal rhythms that our body was designed to eat within, which is kind of sun up to sun down, we get that natural fasting occurring on a regular basis. And we don't have to do these extreme efforts at um, just, in my opinion, just absolute insane measures that are really wreaking havoc on people. So I'm curious, um, Krista, what is your personal experience, you know, with intermittent fasting? Have you ever tried it? Is it something that you do promote with your clients? And if so, why? So in 2017, fasting had definitely come on the scene, maybe the year before. And I started working with a, we'll call it a health influencer, fitness influencer company, uh, with some of our like mutual colleagues. And in that experience or in that contract that I was working, we were kind of developing and optimizing an intermittent fasting program for primarily women in their perimenopausal years. Um, so we were all products of let's experiment with this, explore it, et cetera. And that was when it was new and hot and whatever. Granted, there's research to support this, right? Mm -hmm. So when we improve autophagy or program cell death, which doesn't sound good, uh, but it is good, right? That's how our body cleans shit up. I hope I can say that. Mm -hmm. sorry. It cleans stuff up. Then we don't have diseased tissue like dividing, right? Mm -hmm. So that's all fine and dandy and wonderful because we don't want to have diseased tissue that looks like cancer later. And so that sounds great. So we're experimenting with this, but in American style, you do it and then you do more of it. And then what are the downstream consequences? So the thing with fasting is that there may be more appropriate ways to do it, but so often it's just like, so it's so much like if you start to do a plant-based diet, it starts out with really good intentions. You're like, oh, I'm on this. I got all the things. I'm being really broad. And then before you knew, know it, you're just like eating like fake butter noodles, right. you know? And so you're getting a really nutrient devoid thing. I remember this guy client saying to me one day, Krista, I fasted today, skipped lunch. I was like, dude, that was not fasting. That was skipping lunch, man. So anyway, so my experience was... Um, I was doing fasting and before you knew it, I slipped into those behaviors of coffee for breakfast, not nourishing first thing in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. So not getting that protein emphasis that we should actually have to, to break down and create amino acids to be used for all kinds of flipping functions like brain and neurotransmitter function, which is your mood, mm -hmm. by the way, right? For tissue healing, for phase two detoxification, basically like nothing will work right. if you don't have these amino acids and you don't start your day that way. So you start the day malnourished. And then before you know it, you're like hangry, right? And you're like shoving your face. So you're not digesting that. And so what's the downstream effect of this compounded over time? It's a nightmare, mm -hmm. right? It's a nightmare. The body is like 
geez, when am I going to get something Mm -hmm. here? Right. And so before you know it, the cortisol is spiked. You're putting on weight actually, Mm -hmm. right. Under the stress of it. Cause it's a stressor. Fasting is a stressor on the body. So if you're not doing it really intentionally and carefully, and by the way, a lot of the research was done in men. Mm -hmm. And so we, we are not, we are not men. We are, we may, we may be equals, but we're not the same, you know? So, uh, our bodies are not the same. So over time, what was happening was I was undernourishing, uh, and overworking and having all the stress hormones going. And so what did I do? I created a subclinical thyroid picture. Mm -hmm. What did that look like? For the typical thyroid symptoms would be like cold, hair loss, and fatigue. I didn't totally resonate with fatigue because I experienced worse fatigue back when I had more gut and liver stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, can we always optimize these systems? Damn right, right? Like we can always optimize these systems, but they weren't the priorities at that moment. At that time, the thyroid was a little sluggish. What are some other like thyroid things? Basically, your basal body temperature is slowing down. Fungus will overgrow. It's kind of like a bird bath mm-hmm. um, in the gut that's not really moving. The water's not moving. Like stuff can grow. Um, you have a predisposition to drier skin, dry hair, dry feet. Uh, what are some other ones? So feeling cold, at least like extremities. And when I was under even more stress, I'd lose hair. So like I had these things going on, but like so many of my clients, the labs were normal. Mm-hmm. And then people just think there is such a freaking problem with the way we address thyroid in this right. country and probably this world. Right. We used to address it by symptoms and now we address it by labs and the labs must, you must feel like you are dead <laughs> to get your lab to be off. It seems like, yeah. although I will say to be current, the last few years, like people are seeing Hashimoto's um, thyroid antibodies. They're seeing thyroid antibodies look crazy. And I think it's just because we've got such severe immune intruders in insult. We got such mm-hmm. a severe immune insult over the last three years yeah. in a multitude of ways. I talked to someone just this morning who was giving me all of her very interesting COVID and COVID injection history and like what was happening to her. And so it was just such a picture of immune insult. And here's what it's doing to your immune system. Right. So well, I'm, and- I'm a jack of that, Heather. I, so I'll let you jump in. Yeah, here. no, I'm really glad that you're bringing these points up. So I myself, I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. I want to say it was probably around 2010 when I was going through, oh gosh, was I was going through divorce, just becoming single mom, overworked, like, you know, all of the things, yeah, just all the things. And I ended up getting diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So I advocated to start a, um, I guess we would call it a microdose of thyroid medication to try and get my Mm -hmm. thyroid into a more optimized state to, to, Mm -hmm. you know, help offset some of the symptoms that I was experiencing, Mm -hmm. but I had to literally convince my doctor that this was the best approach for me. And it was funny because I recall going to the first doctor appointment and knowing, you know, I had already seen my labs prior, knowing that it was within those normal reference ranges and that it was going to be a very interesting conversation to try and get them on board with what I desired. So prior to mm-hmm. this appointment, I had started collecting all of the evidence, collecting pictures of the swollen hands, the swollen feet, the abdominal mm-hmm. swelling, the clumps of hair falling out, you know, the brittle mm-hmm. nails. I just started documenting all of the evidence. So when I went to that appointment, he pulls out my lab work and he's like, 
everything looks great. Da, da, da. I think you should come back in a year and we'll talk again. And I was like, well, I don't think so. And so I said to him, let's take a look at my evidence. And I laid all of the evidence out. And then he was like, well, let's see here. Oh, oh, you know, well, now that I'm looking at this, I'm like, uh-huh. Okay, great. So I was very fortunate because I had the knowledge and the you know, desire to advocate for myself and get what I needed. And so I microdosed that helped get me into an optimized state. Thyroid function was really great until I want to say it was 2020, early 2020 with all of the pandemic stressors at that time. Um, my, my entrepreneur business had to take a complete change due to uh, circumstances and not being able to travel and all of that stuff. So, so a lot of stress perked back up in my life and um, had some negative consequences with that thyroid function. Most people don't know how to advocate for themselves when it comes to uh, getting thyroid issues addressed appropriately. They don't know what reference ranges look like. So let's talk a little bit with the audience, first and foremost, about these terrible reference ranges and how they're doing a disservice to us. Mm -hmm. Um, One question Mm -hmm. before I do that, because I am also a curious person and like truly inner. So I, so the tricky part about getting these diagnoses and maybe this will all wrap in here is this, they're going to go by the standard of care. So probably you had a full thyroid panel. So we can talk about Mm -hmm. that, not just a TSH and reflex maybe to T4. Right. So that's like, well, not, yeah, let's unwrap this Mm -hmm. whole thing. But then the next thing is they're like, if they were going to give you something, Mm -hmm. it's usually going to be T4, levothyroxine, or Synthroid, mm-hmm. that's, I believe, standard of care for first. So did you advocate for something else, or did you, is that what you used? So I, they gave me armor. Armor is what okay. I used, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's nice. I don't know why. I don't understand why it's why that is not more typical. Well, um, I advocated for it because I knew that this would be best case right. scenario for myself. So so do you want to talk a little bit first and foremost uh, about the differences between level thyroxide and armor medications and, and sure. why? Sure, sure. Let me back up one step before mm-hmm. that, because the first question people have is, well, how should I test my hormones? Or, okay, cool. Which hormones would you like to test? Thyroid, adrenal, or sex hormones? Okay, cool. We're in thyroid version now. Great. All right. So you want to test your thyroid hormones. So you ask for your hormones to be tested, and this is what's normal. TSH, and then, which is, by the way, not a thyroid hormone, Mm -hmm. and then maybe T4. One time I I asked a client, so this is like uh, my old position used to be, the doctor's got this. And then I was like, the doctor doesn't seem to be doing this. Okay, let me have my clients ask their doctor for these labs. Okay, the doctor is not doing the whole lab work. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's have clients go get their own labs drawn. Like that is, it's such an innocent question. How can I test my hormones? But there's a lot to answer. So that's what's normal. You'd almost have to go in with, these are the exact labs I want. Because you can say full thyroid panel, but if that's not an option on there. And I remember when my mom was hospitalized in early 2020 for an autoimmune mm-hmm. issue. And I was like, all right, I'd like to pull D and whatever. And like literally, I'm looking over the nurse's shoulder, cannot even find yeah. it to work. Yeah. Right? So sometimes like they just pick what they can right. find. So what does it look like to order a full thyroid panel? This has, there's a little bit of a gray area, but here's what I would include at Mm -hmm. least, right? TSH, free T3, free T4, 
maybe reverse T3. Let's talk about what that means. And then at least antibodies, uh -huh. TG, thyroglobulin, and um, thyroid peroxidase antibodies. There are some like other nuances here. And then there's the reference range issues. Let's talk about what these look like or act like in the body for context. The TSH is an alarm clock to say it's time to get up and get ready. So it's a pituitary hormone. It's not a thyroid hormone. Then it sends out mess messaging, let's go get ready. So T4, this is my analogy for it. T4 is like getting ready for work, getting ready, putting on makeup, putting on clothes. And then you get in your car to drive to work. Let's say stress happens, cortisol hits, and we take the wrong freeway. That is reverse T3. I accidentally went the wrong way instead of going to work. If you check in and clock into work, that is T3. Okay. So, and then when we get into antibodies, that's um, a little bit different because that's like kind of a, that's an autoimmune reaction or elevation. Um, it's exacerbating a little bit different way. Mm -hmm. Couple things that come up a lot is, oh, I, had, I don't have a thyroid um, gland anymore. I'm like, well, that is a bummer. But uh, thyroid is not only produced in the thyroid gland, it is produced in other tissues as well. So what we're trying to do is optimize, is activate getting you into clocked into work, mm -hmm. right? Because you're not clocked into work. What else is supposed to happen? So the standard of care is Synthroid or Levothyroxine or T4. We already knew that this was getting ready for work, not actually checking in. So what needs to happen is T4 to T3 conversion next. So if you suck at that, right? Like your body does, not that you, like we all have our stuff. <laughs> If, we suck, if our body sucks at converting T4 to T3, you are not going to feel different at all. Unfortunately, they put you on that and then wait three months. I've been really like trying to understand the standard mm -hmm. of care well. So that way I can cut, because there's a lot of education, unfortunately, right. to do with yeah. this, right? You're so doing a fabulous job, that. by the way. Okay, good. So I'm trying to make it easy because I think it can be pretty complex. And then I'm going to add some other interesting layers to it. So they're usually going to put you on that for like three months and just see how you mm -hmm. do which is like a sad state to live in mm -hmm. because if you already flagged the TSH to be really um, significant, high technically, usually high um, to be sluggish, then you already, like it's literally like walking around under a dark mm -hmm. cloud and there's never sunshine. That's what it feels like for mm -hmm. you. So you are in the worst case scenario. If your labs are out of range, there is a lot that can happen before labs are out of range. So armor I'm going to have, I want you to correct me. I view this as more natural thyroid mm -hmm. hormone. So a glandular. So it's kind of, and I'm a fan of glandulars and other aspects of life. And so it's kind of like, this is actually some of like the earliest integrative medicine that I learned that putting gland in gives you all the nutrients for that gland to sort of heal and improve right. itself. So there's a lot of cofactors of nutrients that help all the conversion and activation of this happening. Mm -hmm. And just giving someone a replacement for T4 does not account for all the other factors that could be optimized to help thyroid move. Right. So some of those cofactors would include vitamin C, zinc, selenium, iodine. This isn't a this isn't a conversation about go buy every individual supplement. Yes. That would not be what that yes. is. This would be looking at food first, mm -hmm. always. I would look at food first for those cofactors. I have some issues and concerns with going on long-term zinc supplementation. Mm -hmm. You're depleting copper, mm -hmm. and that is part of the electron transport chain or how ATP is produced. So that creates – just be careful when you do individual supplement dosing because you create a opposite – it's like every reaction creates an opposite or antagonistic reaction or whatever, right? right? So – some things, B's and C's, not so much of an issue, vitamin B's and C's, but most of the rest of them, there's kind of a, a little bit more of a, a, a dance. Mm -hmm. um, but if you get them in more of a food-based perspective, you can't exactly mess it up. Right. If you do it in supplement, you totally mess it yes. up technically. 
So I just I personally out. not a huge fan of supplementation. I think the quality, the form of the supplementation, all of these are relative. We have to take it into consideration. Um, life circumstances, what you know, mm -hmm. less is more, in my opinion, mm -hmm. and food first, always. Food first, mm -hmm. always, mm -hmm. less is more. And then in the event that you have to incorporate supplementation, sometimes it can be necessary. Like I'll just use myself quickly as an example mm -hmm. with what I am personally going through right now with my extreme malnutrition. I have to do everything to just completely bypass the gut and I'm having to get these nutrients intravenously fed into my body just mm -hmm. to keep my baseline stabilized so that I have the ability to uh, keep moving forward on this healing journey that I have been on for the last 18 months. It's been definitely an interesting learning experience. I've learned a lot and it's definitely um, shifted my perspective and opinion about where we need to start moving for the future because the bottom line is we're not dealing with the same variables that we used to. There are a lot of things mm -hmm. that have shifted in our environment um, and planetary wise that are impacting us at a cellular level and we're not dealing with the same building blocks. That's, that's what I was going to say. At a cellular level, I would agree with you that people have more complex histories, issues, et cetera, mm -hmm. to oversimplify it. I mean, I like to oversimplify very complex topics if possible. Love that. It doesn't sound like when I'm talking, but if I wanted to oversimplify what you said, and I don't know all of what you're dealing with, but if I, if someone said something like that, this is where my brain goes right away, right? Which is on topic of our conversation, which is like, where is adrenal function and how is the health of the cell? Mm -hmm. Because so often the very basic concept is that inflammation in some capacity uses up our omega fatty acids, mm -hmm. which help create a, in addition to other nutrients, the phospholipid layers, uh, the phospholipid layer of the cell, every single cell is a phospholipid mm -hmm. layer. And if you have a shitty phospholipid layer, then you're not going to get nutrients in and out of the cell. Right. And that looks like like dry skin and all of these things. Right. Or it looks like maybe having loose, like you take a multivitamin and you get a loose stool. Mm -hmm. That would be like a dead ringer for right. it. Like, Oh, I think this person and, and we, and I think inflammation looks different on different people. When the pandemic started, everyone's like, why are athletes dropping dead? Well, they have a lot more inflammation than the average person realizes mm -hmm. because they have a lot of intentional inflammation um, where they're working out, breaking down tissue, trying to rebuild it. And they're using up those omega fatty acids in the phospholipid layer. So when I was doing more comprehensive, comprehensive micronutrient testing, um, that, that was such a fun, fun demographic of people. Mm -hmm. Cause they looked like a total mess, right. you know, yeah. but they were like, I'm so healthy, but they were such, they were so malnourished yes. and so under just like, they could not even get nutrients in the cell. Yes. And mineral depletion is a huge problem in that demographic, which they come oh, on everybody. Well, everyone. <laughs> yes. But specifically in high endurance athletes, people who are working out in a high intensity. Many of them are following things like intermittent fasting and other diet protocols that are not necessarily not recommend yeah. those, those two things. Keto and IF, those two seem to be married like hand in hand. And it's like, ugh, yeah, they ugh. do. That does make, then it makes sense because they're using 
using it to make it right. work. Can we talk about minerals? Yes, and absolutely. And also, if you're listening to this and you're like, but I'm really, I am that population. I'm interested in it. Maybe that, if it really is like calling to your heart, you should reach out to Heather or I, because I don't want to do that work, but I'd like to tell you what I've learned right, about that right. work. <laughs> so if, if I can help you do better sooner with that population, then we can all like make the world mm -hmm. a little bit better place. So that would just be a point. I don't know. I'm just putting our, putting us out yes. there for that. But, um, but let's talk about minerals because I, you know, we see the world in which we view the lens through which we view it. My lens right now is very mineral heavy. It has been for the last two years and it's kind of catching mm -hmm. on like in my online space, like wildfire. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if it's just the glasses I look mm -hmm. through, but if not, let's talk about it here because it's so damn important. Right. Okay. So it does go back to the thyroid conversation, but first let's talk about how this why you care. Mm -hmm. Minerals are the backbone to digestion, to um, energy, to hormone production, to detoxification, basically mm -hmm. everything. So they're the backbone because they're, they're nutrients. And why do we have them or not have them? Stress dumps minerals. In short, very oversimplified. Cortisol goes up and potassium goes down. It gets dumped out. Aldosterone, that is a hormone that is produced from your adrenal glands, your little stress glands on top of your kidneys. And that helps regulate your blood pressure. And so um, you'll use up your sodium and trying to regulate that. I'm not saying like the sodium causes necessarily high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. um, that's quite a, a conversation to have, which we could have. But what I will say is that every single cell has a sodium potassium pump. In addition to that phospholipid layer, you need that to operate to get those nutrients in and out. And I would say uh, not having potassium. So remember, cortisol goes up. We dump out potassium. We may or may not be replacing our sodium well. But I guarantee people are not replacing right. their potassium. That's been my experience mm -hmm. as evidenced by the, there are mineral tests that will show, not blood tests, right. but the tissue, um, they use hair tissue. I used to think, I first learned about this in like 2009 or 10 and like found those notes recently when I was throwing stuff away. And I thought, oh, this is so sad. I learned about this then and thought it was too hokey. Uh, so, <laughs> two, so two years ago, I brought this, brought this into practice because, and, and to be honest, I had learned it um, in a, in a practitioner class, like a few years ago, I was like, Oh, this is like too supplement heavy. Mm -hmm. I don't like the way. And so it's just, there's different ways to do everything. Right. right. And so anyway, I guess the point is potassium helps your glucose check into the cell. So you can have energy. It also helps your, it's one of the cofactors that I've missed and forgot to even mention to help, um, thyroid get into the cell. And guess what? We replete it with mm -hmm. food, uh, to your right. point. So we replete it with food, but we're really aggressive. So I, when I first tested my minerals, my, my sodium potassium were like mm -hmm. non-existent. Mm -hmm. I just had to like aggressively consume minerals for like the next year mm -hmm. to get them out of the toilet. Yeah. So it's like trying to fill a bathtub. If you don't plug the bathtub. So the problem is people struggle with this because mm -hmm. they're not changing their nervous system. Right. So they're not changing the cortisol. So they don't plug the bathtub. Right. And so if you don't plug the bathtub, well, you're just going to keep, you can feel a little bit better, but it's not like, if you want long-term results, you must do both things, both plug the bathtub and, and remineralize like crazy. Right. And when I I'm like pretty aggressive. So I was like, everything I was drinking was like targeted electrolyte for like sodium potassium. Mm -hmm. Um, so well, anyway, that was a little bit of the Well, I'm glad that you bring this up because I think that people don't realize that a lot of their natural everyday habits are having really negative consequences specifically on mineral concentration. 
So for instance, um, many people are skipping breakfast, going straight to the coffee, the energy drinks, the, you know, the caffeinated beverages, and these are having really negative consequences on that entire nervous system regulation, but most specifically that aldosterone hormone that you mentioned, mm -hmm. these act as diuretics, so it causes our body to flush these fluids and as we're flushing the fluids, we're also flushing out the minerals that are being pulled out of our bones as an attempt to try and buffer the pH of the blood system to keep it in that neutralized state. So we have a lot of things working against us. And then if people are drinking water, typically it's going to be a filtered or purified water that is devoided of all of those natural minerals to begin with. So we're mm -hmm. kind of, you know, trying to push, push the boat upstream without a paddle. Yeah, it is really tricky. And to speak to water, it's what are always the lowest hanging fruits that we could address our air and our water. Yeah. So, and if you can like, please take a bath with minerals? Yes. Like that would be yes. great too. So when I initially, after getting COVID in 2021, 20, uh, I went into um, acute kidney failure. My GFR dropped into stage three kidney failure from having an optimal GFR. It was like 105 all the WTF. way down into the fifties within a matter of three weeks. Um, and what were your signs? How did you know? Well, so I got diagnosed with kidney disease in 94, which is what led me down this whole path. I got diagnosed with IGA nephropathy, couldn't get health insurance, was told I had five years to live. So that was the motivating factor for my going down the rabbit hole of holistic practices to figure out what options I had, which then eventually led me to becoming a dietitian. So I am very aware, but to speak to that, um, Ultimately, the biggest symptom that I was experiencing was waking up, having a dry weight, let's say 132 pounds. And then by the end of the day, my weight being somewhere around 148, 150. So I was yeah. averaging around 20 pounds on a daily basis from wake to sleep of fluid retention. And so I knew immediately mm -hmm. something was definitely not right. Um, and then obviously did all, did it happen kind of after you had, like when, when did it really present? Again? So what happened? So I'll just, so what happened for me is on September 1st, I woke up with the first symptoms of having COVID. I had a fever, sore throat, massive fatigue. I had a fever of 104 for 11 days straight. So in that 11 days, I was pretty much in a coma in my bed and trying to do everything I could to naturally bring down my body temperature because I couldn't take any of the over, you know, over counter type of stuff because I didn't want to degrade my kidney function even further. So, um, so with that 104 fever, it was about a week after that cleared up that the fluid retention started. So that's when like things just slowly started going downhill very, very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. which ultimately in the beginning with having such reduced kidney function in such a short time, I knew I had to be aggressive with addressing the kidney issues. And so one of the uh, first protocols that I utilized 
was taking detoxification baths to help support getting the minerals infused back into my system via skin and then um, pulling the toxins out at the same time. So I did one cup of dead sea salt, which I had to get dead sea salt online. It was really expensive, but totally worth it. And then one cup of baking soda, mixing both of those together and then soaking in the bathtub for 30 minutes for 30 days straight. After that 30 days of doing this 30 minutes, I re-evaluated 24-hour urinalysis along with the uh, kidney lab metrics and was able to pull myself up out of that stage three into a more normal GFR. I think I got it up into like the low 80s from the low 50s. And now I just got my labs back this morning and I'm at 104. So as far as acute acute kidney, yeah, so it was a massive acute kidney. Um, I will always have, I will always have protein and blood in my urine just from the initial damage of IgA nephropathy that will always be there, but to have my GFR in a you know, better function. What triggered the initial IgA nephropathy? I don't remember. So for me, I had gotten a respiratory infection and about two weeks after that had cleared up, then the I started urinating just straight blood, like literally just straight blood. Now, what led to the respiratory infection that allowed this genetic mutation to actually turn on were complete environmental mm-hmm. circumstances. At that time, mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of crystal meth So uh, methamphetamines, I was not drinking any fluids. If I did drink fluids, it was just Mountain Dew or coffee. If I ate, Mm -hmm. it was Skittles or Sprees. I would go on binges for days, weeks at a time where I wouldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. My body was just in an absolutely overly stressed, malnourished state. Mm -hmm. Combination of all of this weakened the immune system, allowed a viral respiratory infection to present that then triggered the IgA to actually turn on and and become prevalent Mm -hmm. in in the system. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's important that we speak to that because so often we're led to believe that our circumstances are genetic, that we're victims of those genetics, Mm -hmm. that we can't do anything about it. Had I bought into that at that time when I got the diagnosis, I would have been dead within those five years like they predicted. However, mm-hmm. I couldn't buy that. I said, eh, I don't know. Something just tells me uh, that I can, I can change this. And um, I was aggressive and very successful. And up until getting uh, COVID in 21, had optimal kidney function. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah it's important that always, yeah, always, yeah, always. We're moved to uh, change and hindsight is always 2020, but whatever, right? Because right? we all think kind of bulletproof at certain phases mm-hmm. of our life. We all do. Right. Um, I, I, I take great, <laughs> I, I, sh- I like to psychoanalyze my clients, like not in a, un- but I'm just, I like to like think about human yeah. behavior. Like, and I even do it out of judgment. I'm just like, we're interesting yes. human beings. Like this is our human behavior. So we are moved to change through, through desperation or inspiration, but it's usually yeah. desperation. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, at least you had what you, at least you, were able to knew what knew what you needed. Yeah, to well, so, it was it was really allowing myself the opportunity to listen to the intuitive voice, that all knowing mm-hmm. within me that was guiding me towards what I needed. You know, had mm-hmm. I just bought into the white coat and the diagnosis, um, I can mm-hmm. guarantee you that it 
would have looked exactly like they had said it would have, and that would have been dialysis or transplant within those That's five years. Used to. Yeah. 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 I was a dialysis dietitian for a long time. People were in rough shape. Yes. Um, And you brought up a good point that I want to underline, which was that you were using dead, dead sea salts, right? And so those had more trace minerals than just most straight Epsom salt, right? Which is um, magnesium sulfate instead of magnesium chloride. Either way, there's other trace minerals in the dead sea salt. So, um, so that's one thought. And I know your other question was about filtered water and like the, the, overall, like the benefits, whatever, between filtered water, not filtered water. And so what can you adjust first? You're right. So things are filtered. I have a well, so I just feel like I'm kind of like in this kind of living in a state of like, well, (laughs) I don't have a filter because I have a well, which has a lot of minerals in it. However, um, so there's kind of, this kind of a pretty big open conversation. Yeah. What are like some simple things if you are like, if your water is very filtered, not saying it shouldn't be filtered from some things, what can you do? You can add back trace minerals, right? Mm-hmm. So like just focusing on the most bottom line was the easiest thing you can do potentially right. there, um, is a good, good place to start. Yeah. You, you brought up all of the, I know you grabbed a book, so. Yeah, I did. Well, <laughs> I, I just wanted, are you familiar with this guy's work? Um, I have heard of this, but I don't know so about it. His protocols were developed after the Hiroshima bomb and radiation poisoning. And so mm-hmm. when everything when everything presented for me initially, um, I was very much convinced that there was a radiation component that was playing in conjunction to the virus that I had experienced. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, we can't not address 5G and the impact Mm -hmm. that 5G is having on us at a cellular level and how this is disrupting our membranes from being able to actually absorb those nutrients efficiently. So I can't remember, I think this book came out in like the 1980s, but it was his bad- Some good stuff from back then. Right, I know. And so ultimately it was his protocol of the detoxification bath that I had followed to help rehab Mm -hmm. the kidneys and it worked very efficiently. Now, was it convenient to have to set aside 30 minutes every single day? Because I'm human, right? My husband and I, we had weekend trips planned and things of that nature. So it did definitely, um, have some of the barriers, you know, that went with it, with having to be consistent and really be mindful about incorporating this and making it happen, despite whatever the circumstances were at that time, I had to figure out how to make it happen. Right. But it was totally worth it. Yeah, (laughs) like exactly, (laughs) but totally worth it. Um, So, so back. When in doubt, detoxify nourished wise, not this, not this undernourished detoxification bullshit, but nourished. Exactly. So then I ended up taking it a step further. And for myself, I decided to invest in the Kangen water filtration system, which Mm -hmm. was developed a little over 30 years ago from a Japanese cardiovascular surgeon. And basically what it does is it takes the water molecules and it breaks them down into the smallest ions possible so that it can actually cross that that phospholipid membrane, get the water into the cells along with having the minerals mm-hmm. available mm-hmm. and then obviously mm-hmm. filtering out all of the um, 
harmful toxins that are in our water. I live in Irvine, California, which um, when I pulled up the ewg.org's website, typed in my zip code and went through the levels of toxins. When I saw the level of arsenic in the water, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, it's absolutely absurd. The halogens are, the halogens are so, so heavy. It's absolutely ridiculous. And we know that these have a very specific impact on our thyroid's ability to function. If we have halogen poisoning, the thyroid is definitely not going to be able to do what it needs to do. That is one area that when people ask me about supplementation, I'm like, I don't know where, I mean, the options to get iodine food-based are just not what people typically do. And I feel like we're getting, if you are being exposed to chlorine and fluorine Mm -hmm. on a regular basis, there's no way that your thyroid could no, work properly. No, it can't. You're going to be pushed, the, the iodine is going to be pushed yeah. off. So we, this is like, the thyroid is not a small topic. No. It's an amazing topic. And I think there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of options to optimize. And we have been bad mouthing iodine, which is wrong. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, that we could go off on tangents well, about that. I, I won't. So, I, you know, the prop, so here's the thing. Mo- most of the public, they're, normal source of iodine exposure is through table salt. It's through, you know, the Morton's table salt. And unfortunately in that Morton's table Um, salt, we also have a component called potassium ferrocyanide, which is extremely toxic and very, very, very damaging to our kidneys, which is why we see DaVita dialysis centers popping up on the corner of every single intersection in every single city, neighborhood, and town. So we have to get away from this iodized salt that contains this potassium ferrocyanide, and we need to find ways to incorporate that iodine more naturally. But Mm -hmm. we have limited resources to do so. It's very, very challenging. So um, I know that Celtic sea salt typically um, is a better source of iodine, but trying to find a Celtic sea source that you can purchase that actually contains the iodine um, is really hard. It's, 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 yeah. I mean, this is, I use that and, and other mineral salt, but. I still use iodine supplementally. Um, this is just my preference occasionally because it, it did wonders for my brain. What form brain of iodine do you uh, supplement with? Um, partial iodide and partial iodine because different tissue. Is it a liquid or is form. it a capsule or a liquid form? I use a variety. Okay. So the kind of gold standard is Lugol's, right? But that one actually I think is a little bit hard mm-hmm. to find. So I just experiment with a few different brands and I, like I use some tablets, some capsules. I've used liquid. I've just used all of them. Um, for me, it was a dose dependent. So we're not all the mm-hmm. same, obviously. I had a lot of calcium stuck in my tissue Mm -hmm. for different reasons, probably also because it was in my water and all just other crap. Because if you take certain other supplements, you can create calcium stuck in tissue, uh, looking at you, vitamin D a little bit. So, um, so I had calcium standing in the way as evidenced by mineral stuff. Mm -hmm. So I actually, there's some, there's some levels, basically I have a higher tolerance to iodine than some other people Mm -hmm. do. Right. So, um, before I did my iodine loading test, when you do an iodine loading test, which is just like, I don't even have people 
do that as much because everyone was deficient, mm-hmm. but um, and it's just a noble obstacle and then people can't see the benefits from it. So I always think a lot of with iodine for me, and if you read any of Brownstein's books, they're really lovely. Mm-hmm. I think it's like very like easy to read stuff. It's a little bit of experimentation essentially. And so um, before I did the iodine loading test, you take 50 milligram tab of iodine. And for three days, I was like, I am a rock star of focus. Like I didn't even know. I So what's funny is I just thought I had ADHD forever and just undiagnosed ADHD. And when I look at the symptoms for ADHD and sluggish thyroid, I'm like, this is the exact same thing. Like, understand and i have this i know this other gal and she's got hashimoto's and she's like symptoms of hashimoto's symptoms of mold the exact same right so anyway there's just things that turn on that that response or whatever but this is this is my personal feelings like is adhd actually just a sluggish thyroid just my just my questions you know that i ask myself and sometimes talk to people about right yeah there are a lot of very disappointed listeners right now because they are very much attached to that adhd diagnosis Mm-hmm. Do you think we all need to have ADHD? <laughs> Fuck no. Oh my God. No. I am enjoying the hell out of my coffee powder with lion's mane in it. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. I, I got to tell you a couple of fun like anecdotes. This weekend I did a three day, all day immersion on Theta breathwork and Theta healing. Mm-hmm. So that was lovely. And I, my kids were at home and I got to Sunday and I was like, Wow. I am just so like oozing with love, which is like not normal for me, right? Like I was like fully immersed in, in that. Where am I going with this? Um, oh, I know where I'm at. So I did that. And then I have been drinking the hell out of lion's mane and I've just been feeling like so on it. And then there was one other detail here. Um, but the point is, is I started my menstrual cycle today mm-hmm. and usually a couple days before my menstrual cycle, I have a day of apathy where I'm like, life is silly. yeah yeah <laughs> like my job like I, I have a great job it's amazing i love what i do and once one day a month i'm like <sighs> yeah <laughs> i don't know and i did not have that this month so all of that theta healing and breath work and lion's mane we just i was like i'm like a, i'm like a focused machine i love it this month this month and i'm like huh I should try that. I love it. So let me ask you this. When you went into this immersion experience, did your nervous system sit with it immediately or did it take some time to integrate for your body to be able to sit there and actually allow yourself to Mm -hmm. go through the process? Oh, this is such a good question because this is basically about how you format a retreat in yeah. general. The first day you're always like, oh, I got other stuff I got to do. Mm-hmm. That's always what happens on day one of retreat stuff mm-hmm. is like, it takes me a minute to drop in, settle in, et cetera, and like block out the noises. So to, I had to think about this for a moment because it was a handful of days ago. So. <laughs> so I was thinking about Friday and I did have distractions mm-hmm. that day that I was like, I got to get these out of my brain and all of these things. So yeah challenging issues to drop in Mm -hmm. struggle to like stop and take that time. So I took care of all that stuff Friday night after we were done. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I was like, and part of that was, and this is such, you know, so often when you go into presentations or whatever, they're like, put your phone down. It's a distraction. And it is, Mm -hmm. you know, we're so our neural programming is like, let me check that. Let me look at that. And I have, I have most notifications turned off for this reason because I don't need this hustle bullshit culture. Like I literally have stickers on the back of my phone that say like relentlessly eliminating. Like such manufactured baloney so often, you know? So 
the, the simple answer is yes, you know, of course. Um, and then also what I was very hyper aware of is I don't think I've ever been in my home without my family. They had left for the weekend and I was home instead of, I actually had planned to go into the office and whatever. And I was like, well, this is an unusual mm -hmm. thing. And it was lovely. It, was, it went really quickly. But when they came home, I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, cause you're just like, you settle yeah. into that. And I was like, I said to my husband last night, I'm like, can you ever just sit still and quiet? <laughs> He's like, I sit with my thoughts all day long. Cause he wanted to turn the TV uh -huh. on last night. And I was kind of, and I was like, I just need some quiet, please. So anyway, short answer. Yes. But that's also good to acknowledge. Yeah. Like we all have this kind of struggle if we don't separate. And I think the best way for us to reset is to take some intentional time, you know, once a year, ish, I might end up in a place without any phone mm -hmm. service for a few days. And oh man, it's a total, like it takes a little bit of time to reset those neural yeah. pathways. But if you can do it, like you just feel a lot better and a lot Absolutely. different. So. I think it's important to bring that up to address for the audience, because I know that a lot of individuals, my, myself included, trying to intentionally set that downtime to really focus on the parasympathetic nervous system function can be so challenging I mean, yeah. initially because it goes against our subconscious safe and alive. We're so used mm -hmm. to being in this hustle culture, you know, this whole materialistic world of go, 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 that our baseline state of survival is living in that constant state of cortisol, epinephrine, adrenaline. So when we aren't getting that fix, it can be very challenging for the nervous system and for the individual who is trying to do that transitional moment. And more mm -hmm. often than less, we give up rather than trying to mm -hmm. stick with it. So I think it's important to address that, that it takes time. So for those that are listening, I guess the important takeaway is you have to give yourself more time than what you would like to schedule for winding down. I'm excited for when you have a retreat center someday and we can all just go there and reset our nervous systems and come home and like... Because I feel like you can get such good, as you said, integration mm -hmm. if you are able to yeah. drop in and t spend that dedicated amount mm -hmm. of time. And then you can go out and do, you have two choices. You can go back to exactly how you were, or you can make, you can build on the foundation that you've created exactly. over that time. I have a lot of feelings about yeah, that as well. Yeah. Well, I, we're, you know, we're in a paradigm shift in terms of humanity and cultural practices. And it's really interesting to see it split in two different pathways. We have a part of the population who is just very much attached to the go, 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 the materialistic world, this whole AI agenda and timeline. Mm -hmm. And then we have another part of society that is going, you know what? This isn't working. <laughs> we have enough proof and evidence to show that this is not working to sustain the human body our natural anatomy and physiology. And so we've got to get back to basics. You know, we've got to mm -hmm. really get back to basics and try to hone in on creating more of the sacred relationships with Mother Earth and the natural rhythms that we were meant to be in tune with. And that's something I think that whole other part of society has completely dismissed which is perpetuating all of the problems, which is why they're going to need, you know, implants and things injected in them in order to bypass and override the natural consequences of this kind of lifestyle.
like Darwinian shit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really it's it's really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. It's been an interesting, polarizing, intriguing few years, mm-hmm. and I always feel like I won't ever run out of things to do because there's a lot of needs. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me what is what are some of the things? What are some of your personal practices? I guess where I'm going with this question is this. To be a healer of self, it's almost a fucking full-time job these days, right? We have to do all of the things. There's so many boxes to check. This is where the functional integrative model, in my opinion, can be a bit problematic because it's just impossible for people to follow the protocols and stay consistent with the protocols. Therefore, they never get the full results. And as a Mm -hmm. result of that, it leaves a lot of frustration, a lot of checking out and a lot of desperation Mm -hmm. for quick fixes. And people will lean towards the intermittent fasting and the keto diet Mm -hmm. and stuff of this nature as an attempt to try and and offset that. So as a, you know, as an individual who's on their own continued healing journey, what are some of your mm-hmm. non-negotiables? What are the things that you um, pretty absolutely, you know, these are my, I have to check these boxes. If I don't get anything accomplished, I at least have to get this. So what, what does that look like for you specifically? Well, I don't have boxes. I have to check That's first fabulous. Of all. But, um, <laughs> but I'm going to boil this down to a couple of, um, I think this is, this piece of wisdom is something that I had to teach myself and I will, will be part of my legacy moving forward. You are, and I know this is just like on your page. You are only as healthy as your nervous system. You will never be more healthy than your nervous system. That takes radical self-awareness and radical self-responsibility. And anytime you want to remove those two things, you will struggle and you will spin and spin and spin. You will look for someone else to give you the answers. I think there's a lot of answers within you. I think that there's once your nervous system is dysregulated, then you have a, a, a spiral of physiolo- physiological dysregulation. And that's where my business has been. Mm-hmm. And I see such the other piece of like, it must be half or more mm-hmm. of nervous system. So for me, I had to acknowledge and become ultra aware and more responsible for my nervous system. What that looks like is, checking in with myself to see how fast am I talking and is my heart rate elevated, mm-hmm. right? How much am I filling on my schedule? Cause like it takes a lot to break up with, I used to live with a pretty over full schedule and then I would just like be totally mm-hmm. crashed. I didn't even realize right. it, you know, at the end I was like, Oh, I'm fine. I can do right. this. And like, no, you actually can't. Cause you dump out, you pour a lot mm-hmm. out. Um, so I have to be radically aware of these things. I would say that's a non-negotiable, but it's not like a checked box every day. It's like kind of an ongoing right. thing, right? And then I like to keep it really basic. There's really only like a couple of things I kind of use for assessment mm-hmm. tools for me, which is, um, and, and this came up years ago. Someone said, how will you know you're, you're successful? And I'm not successful at this every day. My answer is I go to bed early and get up early, right? Like, cause I feel better when I do these things because everything else can like fall into line, mm-hmm. right? I don't have like revenge bedtime or if I do have revenge, like it doesn't actually, it never works out. Right. Well. You know what I mean? Like I've experienced all of it. So like, I already know, like, let's just get on with life. Like, let's just do what we need to do. So going to bed and getting up early is how I know I'm successful. Am I successful every day? Damn straight. I am not right. And the other thing is I check in with my hydration and my mineralization mm-hmm. because it's such a backbone of like, of, of, I care about feeling good 
and I pay attention if I'm not feeling good. So for me, it's really that simple. It doesn't have to look like some comp, like, yeah, I might like to explore different modalities, but it's all out of curiosity and how do I feel mm -hmm. in that, right? And how do I understand how this fits into the bigger framework of what I'm going for for myself? I mean, I understand different health frameworks, right? right? So I know where things can fit and how things can be toxic. And let me just share one toxic thing, I guess, because that felt good. I should just end there. But what we tend to focus too much on is removal. Yeah. The, the steps of the integrated process are remove, repair, replace, repair, repopulate, maybe rebalance, depends on whose who's format you look at. But remove, we do need to remove toxic burden, et cetera. But we, sometimes we focus on remove more than like replacing and nourishment, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so to go back, kind of circling back to our first is there are things you have to remove, mm -hmm. you know, but some of them, if they're, if they're, if they're contributing to like, um, if they're, if they're taking away from you or taking away from your cup, that's the issue. Right. I want to share just one more practice that can help cut through the noise for you specifically mm -hmm. in leaning into that intuitive, like what's right for me type thing. I sit down and do this exercise every once in a while, maybe a few times a year. I sit down and I draw just a line down the piece of paper and I write down like what is filling my cup right now and what is really draining mm -hmm. my cup. And if you get that on paper and you can see it and you acknowledge it and it's not just freaking hamster wheel in your brain because when you put it out, you know how like when you talk to a friend and you somehow come up with the answer because you talked right. through it, it's just like that. So you write those things down. Then I look at the stuff that I hate or that's emptying my cup and I say, huh, let me figure out how I could get rid of those mm -hmm. things. I don't want to do those things mm -hmm. anymore. So that is constant, right? Like that is our life. Yeah. Like we are constantly being pulled in different directions and I need to decide what I'm going to put in my cup filling spot and my cup and get rid of the cup mm -hmm. emptying stuff. I would just say that's, you have to decide what that looks like. Yeah. For you. I think those are fabulous tips. Um, I, I love everything that you said, awareness, the sleep wake cycle, hydration and mineralization. I think that these are all very core components of the pillars that make up, you know, our overall health and well-being. And if we overlook those things, no matter how on point our diet is, no matter how on point our exercise regimen is, we're never going to be able to optimize those things and the, you know, in the way mm -hmm. that we absolutely desire. So for me, in my current, um, in my current place of where I'm at, the thing for me is really about honoring whatever it is my body is mm -hmm. calling me towards. So being more aware of that intuitive knowing and being able to trust in whatever that pathway is that I'm being called towards. So I'm going to give the listeners a quick example. So um, about two months ago now, I started having massive cravings for orange juice, like the most ridiculous cravings for orange juice, which is something that is really odd for me. I've never really been an orange juice drinker. Um, and so I'd go to the grocery store and I'd check out all of the options, you know, and sit there and ponder, oh, what's the best one, you know, for what I, I'm desiring. Ultimately, my body just kept saying, get the fresh, get the, get the oranges, just buy the oranges. So I started buying oranges, bringing them home, juicing them myself. I'm going through 30 pounds of oranges, hand squeezing a week. Okay. Here's the thing. I have scurvy. Mm. So my body knew that I had scurvy and it was calling me towards the, the solution to fix this deficiency um, and had I been a stubborn dietitian who was like, oh, I can't do orange juice. I can't do mm. orange juice. 
um, I probably would not be feeling half as good as I am right now. But it's very mm -hmm. comical because, you know, here I am with my 30 pounds of oranges at the farmer's market every week, lugging them back to my car. And people are looking at me and they're like, God, you know, are you feeding a football team? And I'm like, nope, this is just my personal need for the week. <laughs> So there is, um, that's so interesting. Yeah. And so, yes, I learned so much about self-regulation from you actually, by oh, the way. Yeah. So that's exciting. I think you can have, you, you can have like that, that was actually like a huge, like aha moment for me. It was just, and that was not what you were mm -hmm. saying. You were talking about intuitive, but there was something that sparked that for me before, but anyway, so cool. Yeah. Um, so I love, I love a really tangible example of listening. So to it's body. funny because I was in group education last week and I was addressing the group and using myself as, you know, the example, cause I'm just a, again, I will forever be a guinea pig of experimentation, Same. right. For the, for the yeah. cause of the greater good. Um, and so here I am, I'm in this group and I'm mentioning that I've got scurvy and I, there happens to be a doctor who's in the group and he's like scurvy. <laughs> What? You don't have scurvy. There's no way you could have scurvy. I've never even seen a case of scurvy in my lifetime practicing as a doctor. And I just looked at him and I smiled and I said, well, you might want to put it on your radar because I have a feeling that we're going to start seeing a lot more of these diagnoses around scurvy. And the reason or the root cause of this is because vitamin C plays such a huge role with not only immune system function, but also nervous system regulation that we don't have the resources available. We're, we just don't have the appropriate bank filled. How did you know that you had it? Well, I mean, if you want to get graphic... Once I had massive, just every time I would even swallow blood would be coming out of my gums, like literally just uh, draining from mm -hmm. my gums, bruising mm -hmm. like there was no tomorrow, like just barely brushing up against uh, a piece, mm -hmm. of, piece of clothing. And I would have just black and blue bruising, massive, massive bleeding, poor wound healing, all of all of the, you know, the things that... Um, typically are associated. So I went and had the testing done and sure enough, it was just not even existent. I was like, wow. And at that time I was supplementing with over 10,000 IUs of ascorbic acid. Oh, it wasn't so getting into it, the tissue. Yeah, so not, not getting into the tissue. And then ultimately um, with what Thanks, I buddy. have discovered, <laughs> with what I've discovered over the last 18 months of where the root cause of all of the issues that I'm having, which is this hypothalamic thermic loop that I have been in. So as a result of getting this 104 fever for 11 mm. days straight, basically what it did mm. was fry the hypothalamus. Right. And so yeah. the entire network neurotransmitter regulation, as well as hormonal regulation cannot be uh, efficient because things are going to the wrong places. There's just, mm -hmm. you know, miss signaling that has uh, occurred. And as a result of that, it's basically shut down my gut and my body's ability to actually break the nutrients down and absorb them into the bloodstream. So it contributed to massive SIBO infection, massive, massive, um, uh, inflammation of the entire digestive tract. Like it's just been an absolute nightmare. How did you find out that it was what, 
How did you figure out what it was? Did you find other cases of similar things? No. So I have been on a desperate search of knowledge over the last 18 months, um, really just trying to get Mm -hmm. to the root and, you know, basically trying all of the obvious approaches first, ruling all of that stuff out. And um, I had watched a documentary on Gaia that introduced me to this phenomenal doctor, Dr. Drobot out of Arizona, who is the founder of Biomed. And he connected me to this amazing man in, um, he is in uh, Minnesota. He's in Minnesota. His name is Guy Audishaw. And ultimately he was the one who was able to trace back over the timeline of events to be able to get to the identifying what actually, why all of these things have um, occurred for me. Basically, I mean, liver failure, kidney failure, like all the systems shutting down. And so ultimately, what? Has to have started. Yeah, so it all started in that hypothalamus with that um, prolonged fever that basically just fried Mm -hmm. the network. And so now we are... integrating a very specific protocol, utilizing um, infrared light, red light, blue light, and then vibrational frequencies. And um, so audio and visual, different vibrational frequencies. And it's crazy because I have started the last leg of this new protocol by adding in the AVE and the CES devices. And I have been getting my blood work done like literally every couple of weeks to see where I'm at. And just in one week of implementing this new component to what I was already doing, almost all of my immune system factors decreased by half. Like the Mm -hmm. amount of healing that I have experienced in just the last week from adding these new devices in have been profound, like absolutely profound. I kind of like to... I'm going to talk to you about more of this mm-hmm. offline just because I like, I love yeah. to learn and I want to learn. I love, I love exogenous yeah, therapies. Yeah. Just, I, this is <laughs> like the wave of the future. This is the wave of the future. As I, you know, as we mentioned earlier in this podcast, we're not dealing with the same variables that we had been. No. And there's a multitude of things that are occurring right now. We have light frequencies that are being emitted from the sun that are the highest that we have ever experienced. And the purpose of this is to get in at a cellular level to alter the DNA so that we have the ability to hold a higher vibrational frequency and in the equivalent of density so that we can raise up in that vibrational frequency to drop out a lot of the uh, negative things that humanity has experienced for millennia. And it's exciting. However, from a physiological perspective, we have never experienced this before. So with these light frequencies that are coming in and having an impact on the mitochondria and the DNA sequencing within our cells, it's also requiring more minerals and more fluids in order to make these alterations effective. 
Otherwise, it's just um, degrading immune system like there's no tomorrow. And then if we want to take into consideration the whole, you know, spiked protein circumstance and what is happening mm -hmm. at a cellular Remember, level from right? these spiked proteins, and then we have to integrate 5G as well, we're getting hit on so many levels that we can't keep up with the demand based on the standard American diet and lifestyle choices that most people abide by. Even for us very holistic minded individuals, um, we're struggling. So, you know, to see ourselves in such a consistent struggle, despite the fact that we have really on point lifestyle practices speaks volumes to uh, the collective in terms of we're going to see a lot of immune system deaths over the next 10 years. People are just going to be dropping like flies if they don't start rethinking their approach to their everyday life and really focusing on awareness and nervous system regulation. We don't stand a chance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. A conversation to be continued. Yes. A full yes, one too. Yes. So you know, we, you and I, we could chat all day. We're very, very much on the same page and have a lot of uh, beliefs and practices that we, you know, encourage others to abide by. I really appreciate your time and your expertise. Tell the listeners how they can connect with you. Well, since you're listening to Heather's podcast, my podcast is called The Less Stress Life. And I would say anything that fits into the the triad of health, emotional regulation, or structural regulation of the body is fair game. So it's my favorite place um, on Instagram. I'm anti-inflammatory nutritionist, and I do like a community call with, I like to talk to people in real life. So jump out of those, but those are great ways to get in touch with me. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm sure that the listeners, their brains are just going like, woo. This is a lot and it's going to take a little time to integrate this information. But if you're looking to, uh, you know, get more information around the potential consequences with suboptimal thyroid functioning, definitely reach out to Christina so that she can kind of, you know, help support you and guide you on your path towards healing and getting to feel better because ultimately this is one of the most overlooked circumstances in the Western paradigm when it comes to our one year, one time wellness checkup and all of our symptoms being completely dismissed. So thank you, mm -hmm. Krista, so much for being with us. I truly appreciate your time and your expertise. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Do me a favor, and if you loved this episode, please go leave a review. Reviews help make sure that this content reaches more people so that we can continue to heal as a collective. Remember to take a screenshot that you're listening and tag us on Instagram at heatherbarbierrdn for a 15% discount on the Retrain Your Brain program. See you next time.